Real Life, Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Tomplay in conjunction with iHeartRadio and Cloud 10 Media. Yeah, the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. To an attorney prior to and during any question. You can't afford one of the court appointment for you. You understand your rights? Your crime spree was over, son. Yeah, you thought you had it licked. But Detective Overton made you should have turned to shit. <laughs> This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that are of a sexual nature. It should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I did not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or from some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes are the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My description of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hey guys, Toby Tompla here, producer of Real Life Real Crime. In this segment, about halfway through the interview, the laptop computer I was recording on crashed, and we lost the first 30 minutes of audio from Woody's microphone. So in post-production, I took the audio from the mics that were pointed at the family, and I chopped it all up and raised and lowered the volume so that you can hear what Woody is saying in the interview. So if you notice the volume levels changing, that's what you're hearing. This is the actual interview. The first few minutes just sound a little bit funny. Sorry for the inconvenience. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty. We're telling a story here, but all suspects are innocent until proven guilty. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today we're going to be continuing. And you know what I didn't do on the last episode, and we need to do it now, is come up with a, uh, a name for the series and, and what do y'all think? The, uh, obviously Mary. But, um, justice for Mary. Justice for Mary. We'll, we'll go with Justice. Can you think Justice for Mary? Sure. Alright. So we're going to name the title of the series Justice for Mary. In today we're continuing, I'm continuing in the field. Uh, uh, executive producer Toby Tomplay is going to make it sound the best that he can. So if y'all hear any ambient noises or whatever, uh, believe me, we're, we're doing the best that we can. But we're on location recording with Mary's family. I introduced them all in the last episode. 
the uh, we ended it with the 911 call, which y'all heard at the end of the last episode, and, and, and it's pretty dramatic. But now what we're going to get into is what happened and how these family members came to know of the homicide and what has and has not happened during the investigation. So, who wants to start? That the who got notified first? Or I don't know who got truly notified first. Well, y'all tell me how. You I mean, I that. got notified. It was five minutes to eight, and I only know that because I was dropping my little boy off at school when the call came in. And who called you? Um, my nephew's wife. Okay. Um, That's the same nephew that made the phone call. No. no. His son. Um, his wife called me, um, and she just was screaming and crying and saying, um, Mary's dead. And I was like, what? You know, like, I mean, I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And she's like, Aunt Mary is dead. And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, and she just kept screaming it. And I said, what happened? And she said, I don't know. They found her on the floor. And I said, I need you to calm down. You know, and I was trying to calm her down, and I said, let me make some calls. Let me, you know, get in touch with different ones. I said, but I need you to calm down, and I'll call you back. You know, and I dropped my little boy off because he was in the car. And so I dropped him off at school. I went straight to his house because it's right past the school. In the meantime, I I called her. He was gone. She picked up, and she had already been notified, too. And I said, I'm on my way. She said, pick me up. So, I mean, it was a bam, bam. Um, Drop him, pick her. And we was probably in Irwinville by 9 o'clock. I mean, and I still wasn't, I mean, I guess maybe in shock. I don't know. I just still couldn't comprehend what she was talking about. You know, what do you mean? And so when you got to Irwinville, where'd you go and what happened? We went straight to the trailer. And when we got there, there was a ton of people there. Tell me about that. Um, it was more of his family, all of his nieces, nephews, couple of sisters. I mean, you know, just was the when you when you got there and you see all these people, was it cordoned off? No, it was not. No, there was no cops there. Okay. Um, nothing was roped off. Nothing, you know. So I mean, in our mind, we still didn't know what happened. And you're making your way through everybody because everybody's just standing there. And we go in. And um, Peanut is sitting on the couch. Was Mary already moved? Yes, she was already gone. And I guess from my understanding, they had done that before we even got the phone call. What time was the 911 call? Um, seven. I'm, I'm apologize, I'll get it for you. It was um, like 7 14, 7 12. Um, <clears throat> and it's like 7 14 approximately. Right. You get a call at 8 or 5. At 5 minutes to 8. 5 minutes to mm-hmm. 8. Y'all are in Irwinville. For 9. 9. So 2 hours. Within 2 hours, you're there. Your sister's body has been removed, and his side of the family is standing around. Yes. And y'all go to the trailer. You go in and you see. He's sitting there on the couch. And um, he is. Peanut. He, one of his sisters is sitting on side of him. 
and uh, uh, there was a couple of other people in there. I don't know them. I know that was part of their family, you know. Um, and he gets up, and of course, I mean, I walk up to him and we we hug him, and he's crying and and saying, you know, she's dead, she's dead. Um, I, shouldn't I shouldn't have left her. And I'm just like, what happened? What happened? Well, he's hysterical, you know, or whatever. And so a lot doesn't come out right at that single moment. But when he calms down a little bit, you know, he's, I was, we were just like, what happened? And he's like, I don't know. I came in. Well, he said he had went to bed about 2 a.m. And she was up. Um, getting, they were supposed to leave the next morning on their trip. And um, he left her in there because he was tired. He wanted to go to bed. So he went to the camper, which was off the porch, literally. And uh, he said he... Came in at 6, 6, 20, 6, 15 or something that morning. I don't know. He opened the door and she was kind of slumped over, kind of like how you're leaning on the couch to take a nap. So he thought she was sleeping. So he left, went two trailers over to their grandsons to get him because they were going to go get paint to, for something, whatever they were doing. And they both walked back and she was on the floor. And then... We were just like, well, what do you mean she was on the floor? And he was like, then she was on the floor. So I don't know if she got up and passed out or this or that. And at that time, I mean, you're still trying to make sense of her being dead. So just, and he just kept on. Just, you know, I shouldn't have left her. I shouldn't have left her. I thought she was sleeping. I should have just pushed her and woke her up or nudged her, but I didn't. He was drinking coffee like water. I'm talking coffee, pouring it down. And then as the people came in, we kind of ventured back out a little and different ones are talking with the same story because that's the story he said. I mean, that's what he told us, that that she was slumped over like she was sleeping. He's saying that some point during (laughs) the night, he left her. Correct. She was still kind of folding clothes or getting stuff ready to leave the next morning. Hey, y'all, it's the busiest time of year, so if you need a break from the holiday action, Best Fiends is the perfect pick-me-up. Y'all, you've been hearing me talk about Best Fiends for probably two years now, and I still play it all the time. Best Fiends is a match-three-style puzzle and adventure game all rolled into one, and with more levels being added all the time, there's always something new to play. Best Fiends has it all. An amazing storyline, collectible fiends, and tons of fun puzzles. I play it all the time. I can play it anywhere, even if I don't have Wi-Fi. Say I'm sitting on the deer stand. I get to play Best Fiends because you don't have to have Wi-Fi to play it, y'all. So even if your holiday travels take you off the beaten path, you can still play Best Fiends. I've been playing it for so long. I'm on level 2,000. 321. So yeah, I play it all the time because it clears my mind and when I'm playing it, I don't think about anything else. Download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. He said at 2, approximately 2.30, yeah. um, he had, they had, first of all, let's explain that they weren't going on a trip as, a, as like, an anniversary trip, okay? Right. He was working with his family, and so they traveled. They did uh, sandblasting, and so they traveled all over. And so 
um, for the next year, they were going to be in three states. And so they decided together that they would go. Together they would give up the rent trailer and they would go. They bought the travel trailer and they were going to travel for the next year with his job and try to enjoy it. Um, so he said that approximately 2.30, he decided to go to bed in the travel trailer because they didn't have any furniture left in their mobile home except for the living room furniture. Um, because they had gotten rid of everything because they were leaving in a couple days. And um, that he had spoke with his brother-in-law at approximately 1.30, well, he didn't say approximately, he said 1.37. At 1.37, he spoke to his brother-in-law. It was regarding work. um, And that his brother-in-law heard Mary, and they were kind of going back and forth laughing on the phone, but that he heard Mary talking. Literally, that's what he said. Um, So, 2.30, she was trying to get her clothes. She had already gotten his clothes, their grandson's clothes together to go in the travel trailer. That was all done, so she started going through her clothes, or finishing up her clothes. He left her and went into the travel trailer, went to sleep, approximately 6.30, woke up, went back into the trailer. Um, She was slumped over with her legs pulled up. In a recliner? No, no, like a love seat. Like a love seat, you know, pulled up and kind of leaned over. So um, he thought she was sleeping, so he went three doors down to their grandson's house, woke him up, um, came back, because they were going to get something from a hardware store. What what, what hardware store is open at 6.30 in the morning? Well, I don't know. Um, (laughs) I mean, yeah. And so... um, and he went back to the trailer, and um, she was on the floor face down. Um, I asked, I mean, we, we all asked a bunch of questions just because, you know, we wanted to know. And he kept saying it was her breathing problem. Um, she did have COPD, but that was it. I mean, she, you know. Um, and he said he, he didn't roll her over. He did not roll her over. Um, And, yeah, I mean, that day it was kind of a lot. It was a lot of people, like she said, a lot of people, um, in and out, nonstop. He was almost inconsolable. Um, Didn't really have a whole lot of conversation except for what I just said, you know. Um, And he just kept saying he shouldn't have left her. Um, we all leave. Um, we go pick up Margaret from the airport. Well, her and I leave and, um, cause we had rode together and we went and picked her up from the airport. And the next day we go and pick up Peanut because he wanted me to, uh, take him to go take care of business. Um, I had told him that, you know, they would probably shut down their accounts or her account, um, she had an account with him on it, and then he had his own account. Um, yes. Um, and so we also met up with the funeral director to have that taken care of. Um, and let me go backwards. Um, that day, Monday, um, he has a sister that was on the phone. Um, when I asked her what was she doing, she was on the phone with the coroner. 
trying to tell the coroner to stop the autopsy, that he did not want an autopsy done, that he could not imagine her being cut on. This is the day of the day, the day of her death. Um, and I was like, well, no, I want to find out because if this is genetic or anything, I mean, we have, you know, there's five of us, you know, and we want to know what it is. Um, really believing something had happened. Um, so, but anyway, she said, no, he said to call him. And so she was trying to get me to give her information on who her doctors were, who Mary's doctors were. She kept needing that information because the coroner didn't have enough medical information to rule to rule anything, she kept saying. Um, so they needed her doctor, um, <clears throat> her doctor's name and number. So um, I provided that. I opened up her phone and got her information and gave it to him, you know. Um, and that same sister said, you know, went in and literally looked at him and said, well, what do you want to do? We need to know where the um, funeral's going to be. Um, what do you want done? And he said, well, no, she's going to be cremated. And she was like, well, where, you know, what do you want done? Where do you want it? I mean, all, and I was just like, whoa, you know, I mean, she hasn't been dead three hours. You know, who answers all that right now? So skip to the next day. We picked him up. We did go to um, meet up with the funeral director. And we did. That's what he said, um, that he wanted her cremated. Um, she didn't want any of it. Mary didn't want to be buried. She didn't want to be cremated. She didn't want to be nothing. And I mean, literally, um, she was scared of the dark, yeah. um, scared of the thought of being burned. Um, you know, I know to some people that's probably stupid, but it really was a fear of hers. She did not want to be in the ground. Yeah. Burned. She didn't want to be either one. Um, and I used to always tell her, you have to make a decision. You know, we'll honor whatever you want, but you have to make that decision and tell me I can't, you know. And um, she was like, no, I don't. I don't have to make that decision. And I was like, well, I mean, somebody's going to have to make that decision one day, you know. Um, and I, I, that's important because she wasn't ready to make those decisions when uh, we say she had COPD. My sister wasn't, like, on oxygen or... You know, we we went out to beaches, and she went on trail walks, and I mean, she was still an active uh, person. I saw she, her the night before. You know, so she. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to allude to that she was a sick person. She was not a sick right. person. Well, this is coming from Peanut. He's saying he's yeah. saying right. <laughs> yes. yes, and his sister kept repeating that. Right. It, I, I got it. The y'all got there. There's no law enforcement. There's no corn. The coroner's already gone. Okay, and, and any time on a case like this, the the on the coroner, a, a person 57 years of age, um, law enforcement had to go out and look at the scene, call the coroner. Generally, and, and, and this all my years of experience, the detective would have showed up just they would look the scene over just to see if there's any type of foul play, any injuries to the person, any, uh, they would look at the lividity on the body as to where it was uh, when the sand was discovered, um, because that, that could tell something, right? I mean, it would 
admitted that saying she's face down. Him saying she's he never turned her over. I mean, my wife. I mean, this is just me. You're my my wife's on the floor. I mean, at least I don't care how long she's been down. I might try to do CPR or something. So y'all didn't hear about any of this. No cops. No. No. The only thing that I recall was that um, someone and I have no. I can't remember who said it, but they did when they got there. Them being the police, I guess. Um, they did take him in for questioning. Um, we were told that that is just um, now a formality. Um, and, but he was there when y'all got there. Yes. So he, he was there. The question was back in less than two hours. Yes. Less than an hour. Oh, yes. And um, of course, I don't have the paper with me. But um, when I picked up the 911 call, they did give, provide me a piece of paper that has the time frame of everything. From the time the 911 call was made, from the time they got there, took him back, took him to the police station, brought him back, because it literally shows all of that. Um, it's because they call it on the radio. It was, um, I want to say, a little less than an hour for all of that. Okay. All right, I'm sorry. It's okay. Right. Real life, real crime. Hey, y'all. As the year ends and another holiday season is upon us, for many of us, that means families coming to visit, right? And look, that's we all know that's its own stressor. As much of a joy as it can be to have family in, but getting prepared for things and trying to find the right gifts and making sure the meals are ready and everything else, you know, it can just be really stressful. And, you know, it's tis the season to be jolly, but sometimes it just doesn't feel that way, and that's okay. Ease some of the burdens the holidays can bring with Talkspace Online Therapy. Y'all, I like Talkspace. You've heard me talk about it before. I'm going to talk about it again. You can get a secure professional to talk to, and sometimes that just helps me take a load off, and it makes me a better person. It's easy to get matched with a licensed therapist or to schedule a session. And, again, it's totally secure, Right. Talkspace is ready to help you start feeling better with a single message. You can set goals with your Talkspace therapist and develop techniques to cope in difficult times. Talkspace offers individual therapy, couples therapy, and medication prescription service. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform. There are thousands of licensed therapists available for you to match with across dozens of specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. Talkspace works around your schedule at your convenience with live video sessions and unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist. Y'all, it's awesome, you know, to have somebody in your back pocket that you really unload on, right? If you need a little support to help you through the end of the year or you want to start building towards a better upcoming year, Talkspace is here to help. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with promo code REALCRIME. That's $100 off when you use code R-E-A-L-C-R-I-M-E at Talkspace.com. Give them a call, y'all. You'll be glad you did. So um, we're on Tuesday. Um, we 
went to the bank. We, you know, he moved some, took money out, moved some money around. Um, and I have to be honest and say, I, I told him, you know, you, you need to make sure that you have enough money that you can live on or whatever, because they're going to lock hers down. And so he had retired, um, up two years, um, pretty much before she passed, before she was murdered. Um, and so she was getting a certain check into her account from him, and then he was getting his money that he was working now with his family, that check. So that's kind of, they just divided it for reasons. Um, and so uh, I was really, I mean, I love, you know, he's been my brother-in-law for, I mean, gee, since I was six, you know, he's, he's always been like a brother to me. Um, so, I'll say I came in, they picked me up that day, so I didn't uh, see them from the time the phone call came in till the next morning when we picked him up. I knew that my sister had been murdered. I'm a... Um, I'm usually very calm. Uh, I'm a nurse. I've run codes, that type of stuff. So I don't usually respond, but when my sister called me, I hit the floor. And I couldn't breathe. She literally had to hang up and call my son. I knew instantly that something had happened to my sister, not like my my sister was sick and had passed. And so when I got to that the trailer the next morning with her, I was in a different uh, mental state at that point in time. I was um, very suspicious because things were not lining up from a medical standpoint from everything that they had told me. So I started asking all these questions of exactly, okay, when did, I listened to his story. Uh, we, had, we had took him and stuff, and um, I, I, I think her purse was on the back, so yeah. I pulled her phone. And I mean, I'm, I'm just in general trying to, you know, look at things. So I start looking at text messages uh, from her son and things like that just to say I was trying to find out who was the last person talked to her that sort of kind of thing you know uh, but everything that he was doing was really hurrying and I felt like I was watching um, from a closed room if that makes any sense and so all day long I saw what I saw was transactions being done. He started talking about uh, getting life insurance. Immediately that day, he aligns to change life insurance, putting everything into his grandson's name, and everything had to be done today. Um, he was waiting on something. Okay. So as... As she talked about my sister being scared, we always teased her. It was like a nickname we call her Scaredy Cat. She wasn't going outside by herself. Okay. 
I mean, that just wasn't her. She did not, you know, she was, she was not going to go out. So it didn't really make any sense. So we, when we got back from all the transaction running around, he literally got on the floor and put himself, per what he says, in the position of the way he found her body when he came back into that trailer. He put himself in a, um, a cross-execution type position, uh, face down on the vent. One arm was tucked underneath like this little chair. You have to understand it was a, a matter of a space, probably about this, and, and I'm measuring about two and a half, about two, two and a half feet tops, okay? between the left seat and a chair. And he's got one hand, literally says her hands were like this, and tucks them underneath, one underneath the chair. One, I mean, you just lost your wife 42 years, and you're literally putting yourself in the exact same position on the floor, the same place that you just found her in, and set her feet, and he was very... I say methodical about telling us exactly how her body was positioned. If I had found my husband for 42 years, I probably couldn't tell you what position he was in. I'm just being honest. Uh, and said her feet was tucked around the couch. That was, you know, what he said. And he uh, kept giving uh, reference to a red shirt that was underneath her face and kept asking it was sure it kept asking it was things that he was saying what was he saying about the shirt like does he anybody to, know no he, no he he couldn't find it and he was looking that's what for it was it. at first he, and he kept saying um it's a red shirt it's a red shirt and i was like okay he said have you seen a red shirt and we were all like no we haven't seen a red shirt um and he said, well, uh, that red shirt was under her face. And I, we were like, okay, I mean, you know. Um, but, he, and, but he didn't turn her over. Right. No. Okay. Um, and uh, I started looking around. I mean, in a you know, small space here. Um, started looking around, and it was on top of a box. And I said, is this it? It was kind of like a burgundy red tank top type shirt that you would wear under a sweater or something um, that a lady would wear, you know, kind of not silky, but a softer material. And he's like, that's it. That's it. And I was like, okay. And um, at that mom moment, I don't remember what he, what he did at that moment because so much transpired. Um, but let me get back real quick to the 911 call. Um, he also told us that when he, he and his grandson went into the trailer, um, he went to her, and he hollered at the grandson to call 911. Um, the grandson called 911, um, hung up, and the grandson said, I don't think they heard me, Paul. And he said, go across the street and get his brother's girlfriend. Um, and so he said he did, and brought her back over, and she called 911. So when I requested the 911 calls, because I assumed there was two because of that conversation, um, they said that no, 
there was only one. Um, and I said, are you sure? I'm telling you there was two. She said, no, ma'am. And when she met me to give me the information, she knew the family. And she told me the grandson's name and everything. She said, that's who called. And I said, that doesn't make sense. I was told that that conversation, he wasn't sure that they 911 even heard him. And so they went and got, you know, the sister-in-law, if you want to call her that, across the street. And she called. And he, she said, no, ma'am, that, ha- that never happened. So it was just a lot of red flags going up left and right. I saw my sister the night you know, before she was murdered. We spent four and a half hours together. We were making flowers for my son who passed away and her grandma and my grandma and my grandpa and my stepmother. She was not the most chippery like she normally is, but I kind of put it off that she was stressed, trying to get ready to go. She wanted to see Blondie and them and get her hair cut, and she didn't think she was going to have time to do all that before they left. When we got through doing the flowers, you have to know my sister's car. She literally lived in this vehicle. You could probably find anything from a cough drop to (laughs) a a garbage can in there. And we went to put the flowers inside her car. And I was like, Maru, because that's my name. And I was like, where are we going to put these flowers at? And she's like, oh, just hold on a minute. She starts shoving stuff to the side. So we could put these flower arrangements in there for her to take back to Chanel, which is by Urbanville. Cemetery. The cemetery. She called Dad. She went and delivered the flowers. Um, The flowers they were making um, every three months, Dorothy and Mary would get together and um, make floral arrangements to go on the cemeteries, okay, of, of... you know, different ones of our family. So um, she did go and uh, deliver those to wherever, Lakeland, Lakeland. Chanel, whatever Lakeland. you want to call it, um, and called her, called their dad and said, you know, that she had delivered the flowers, even sending pictures because he, you know, he wouldn't believe her if she didn't send pictures because <laughs> he's an old and honorary. But anyway, um, so, and that was around 8... That was 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock p.m. Seven fifty-seven Sunday night. Um, she did call him and send him pictures that she had placed them on the cemetery, you know, on the graves. Real life, real crime. Hey, y'all. You've heard me talk about Feels, the premium CBD oil before, and I'm going to tell you about it again. CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel, the stress, the anxiety, and the pain. I take two drops of feels underneath my tongue every night right before I go to sleep, and it helps me clear my mind and fall into a restful, peaceful sleep. And I sleep all night long. I wake up feeling fresh, no hangover, no addiction, 
It just absolutely makes me a better person. And Feels is a better way to feel better. Feels is a premium CBD that would help keep your head clear and feel your best. It's hassle-free, delivered directly to your door. CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. There is no hangover or addiction. Place a few drops of feels under your tongue and feel a difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important and everybody's dose is different. In fact, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience so that you find your perfect dose. The Feels customer service team is dedicated to making sure you get the best use of your CBD. Join the Fields monthly membership makes your self-care easy. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time. Start feeling better with Fields. Become a member today by going to fields.com slash RLRC and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash R-L-R-C to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash R-L-R-C. And the reason she's making that comment about her car um, is because Monday when we went there, when she was murdered, um, Peanut was looking for her gun. I don't know why. That day I was just trying to be a good sister-in-law and console him. And um, he kept saying he, he couldn't find her gun. Where's her gun? And so um, one of the nephews and I went out to her car um, to look for it, and her car was spotless. And when I tell you spotless, like off the showroom. Like clean. Very detailed. I, yeah. And, um, and it's just a running joke in our family that, yes, she, again, you know, she keep three bags of clothes that we went and got from the garage sale for who knows whose kids. And when she'd seen them, she'd have to have it in her car to give it to them. You know, and then the back seat was... Well, she probably had those grandkids back there and whatever they ate, drank, wanted, or who knows what, it was still back there. So she used her car, her car, her, she, her car was a slave to her, she wasn't a slave to her car. There her car, she kept it, I'm guilty of it a little bit myself, right? Yeah. And so, you know, to establish that, yes. her car was well used and lived in, you know, without yes. saying filthy or whatever. Right, no, yeah. But y'all go, to look for this pistol, and there's nothing. No, it's spot. I mean, there's not a thing in there. Nothing. We didn't see the pistol either. Now, we, you know. What did you think when you saw the car that time? Immediately, we questioned I, that. I mean, I, I literally was like, geez. You know, I, I didn't know if maybe she had it detailed. She, I don't think she's ever had her car detailed in, ever. But I, I literally thought, well... I mean, at that moment, I was like, geez, I guess she went and got her car detailed to go on a trip, but that's kind of not normal either, you know? But I was very taken back by it, but again, uh, I just yeah. found out, you know, yeah. she died. Again, at this time, y'all just found out she died. And yeah. Believe in this, and, and, what's his name? Peanut. Peanut. And Peanut. 
Um, you've known you know, almost your entire life. You're not thinking, almost none of you are thinking that, because um, you, you've been shocked, you're not thinking there's any kind of foul play or whatever. Her body's already been removed, right. and, and there's no cops to talk to you or whatever. And so, I mean, you see the car, that's just another shocker thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it was just, I mean, there were, re- I mean, that day, there were things just like saying you're not having an autopsy. Uh, right. You know, I, again, I mean, you know. And, and all, when you when you objected to that, you were doing, like you said, for family reasons. I mean, you want to know. Yeah, we're all over 50. You, I mean, you, you spent four hours with her that night. Yeah. Her COPD, she wasn't <laughs> gasping for no, air or anything no. like that. So, and she was smoking a cigarette with me outside. Right, right. Okay. And, you know, our mom died when she was 58. Right. Of lung cancer. Right, right. Um, yes, she had been a smoker for most of her life. She had quit for 20 years. But, um, you know, but we we didn't know if maybe she had something that we didn't know about. She Again, right. yeah, 58. Now Mary's chance. 57 and she, she died. So, yeah, I want to know. Sure. You know, and I would hope if, if I died today, right. I'm pretty healthy. I would hope somebody would say, yeah, you're going right. to have an autopsy. You know, right. um, because you never know what's in the genes that we're unaware about. Right. You know, and all right. So back to the Monday, uh, all these errands are being run. The bank. And, that was and Tuesday. I'm, yeah, sorry, that was I'm Tuesday. sorry. Tuesday. Monday is the day her body was found. Correct. Uh, or nine one one was called. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Tuesday, you're in town. And you're running all these. Like I, me, and of course, everybody agrees different, and everybody does. Things different than me. I, I mean, it was I, I can't see the bank action and all this stuff going on. You said something about life insurance policy. Yeah, he. Um, it was that day, huh? Yeah, geez. Um, so we get back to the trailer, the mobile home, and um, I was very close with Peanut. Always have been my whole life. Um, and so it was nothing for him to confide in, you know, in me. He would call me sometimes, you know, Mary's in a mood, you know, right. just normal right. conversation, I guess. But so after he showed us how he found her, um, within minutes, he um, went out to the travel trailer and had someone send to get me. And I went in there and um, he's wanted me to go through her purse with him. Um, and so we sat there. Um, and again, I'm just trying to do whatever he wants to do, be you know? Right? Um, yeah, be supportive of whatever he's going through, you know? And um, he goes through every lid. I'm talking everything. And if you ne- look, if you see her car, you'd understand the purse. Right. Okay? I kid you not. Full of, uh, yeah. So every receipt, yeah. every... Geez, yeah, she had everything in that purse. Um, so, and he is literally going through everything. <clears throat> and, you know, there's, I mean, all kind of stuff, normal purse stuff, you know, but a lot of notes. And he had, there was notes in there from him, like when they would go on a trip. It looked like he had been writing her notes while they were out. That's what it appeared to be. Little short notes you know, saying he loved her and stuff, that kind of thing. And he opened up every one. He opened up every receipt. Um, 
started telling me um, that they had the night before, they had, sorry, Sunday night evening, after they went and put the flowers on the um, graves, they went to the store and bought scratch-offs. And he wanted those scratch-offs. I mean, like adamantly wanted those scratch-offs. It didn't make any sense to me. Scratch-off lottery tickets. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, I haven't seen them. I said, there's lottery tickets up on, I saw in the living room. Um, he said, no, that's old. I'm not talking about that. You know, and I was like, okay. And he just kept on. I mean, like literally these scratch-offs were very important. I said, well, did you win? You know, and he said, no. You know, she won a little bit and we went back and t traded them in. And the lady at the gas station was laughing. She, he said she knew them. And she was laughing because he made the comment that, you know, she was changing all that money that she won back into more tickets. Um, and he wanted them. And I said, well, what are you, if you didn't win a second time, what are you wanting? And he said, well, I just want to keep them as a keepsake. And I was like, okay, well, I, I never saw them still till today. have no idea where these scratch-offs are. Um, that red shirt. Um, he pulled out her makeup bag, which really wasn't makeup. It was like face wash stuff. And um, I stuck the, I folded the shirt and I stuck it in that bag. And he said, well, do you want that? And I was like, no, I don't want anything. He kept trying to give me things. Um, the same things that he kept repeatedly talking about. It wasn't like, you know, I saw something and said, oh, I remember this. And he said, you want it? It wasn't like that. It was all the things that he, he kept drilling the same things, some very important things over and over and over. And um, I was like, no, I don't want that, you know? And he said, well, I mean, y'all bought it together. I said, I don't care. I don't want that right now, Peanut, you know? Um, we literally took all the clothes that was in a box the box that she was putting together the night before took them out and he had me put them in a cabinet by the bed. And so I did. And it was everything, you know, I mean, a box full of everything from her underclothes to pants and bathing suits. And I put that in there and, um, he trying to think what else it was. It was just, I can't remember. Um, what was it? Oh, there was a ring. There was some kind of ring in the purse. And he asked me, did I know where it came from? I was like, well, no, I don't know where that ring came from. And he said, um, I don't know where this came from, but I found this ring in her purse. And he, I mean, it was another thing that for, realized that for three months, I spoke to him on a daily basis after she was murdered um, multiple times a day. And so the red shirt, the ring, um, the lottery tickets. The lottery tickets. Let me just say, you know, when you say you know you spoke to someone for three months yeah. since she was murdered, you have to understand that we were never even given the autopsy at that point. This whole time, the autopsy report or death certificate hadn't even been issued. So all we had to go by was what either someone told us what peanut had told right. us or right. maybe some officials kind of raising some concerns saying right. that doesn't sound right why are they you know what I mean so we knew at this point I think most people would probably feel you had suspicions of foul play mm -hmm. 
or a coroner would have not taken three months right. to tell you yeah. how she died. And, you know, and I and I could right. see where people would question that. Um, understand that I can sit right here today and tell you I still love him. The man that was my brother for 40-something years, I can't just turn that off. Right. right. Um, so for me... It's a double bang. Even though I felt like something was wrong, um, I didn't have any concrete answers to what was wrong. Like my brother said, we didn't have a, a death certificate. We didn't have anything. I knew that it was under um, investigation. Um, and at the same time, you know, but, I can't turn my heart off Yeah, I um, without... Well, I, I don't think I could ever turn my heart off. Right. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm probably a little bit different than some. but um, And at the same time, something in the back of my head was, you know, concerned that if I could talk to him and hear something that maybe was off, even more red flags. Um, and then I did go to the detectives. And I did talk to the detectives. Hey, let, let, let's hold on one second because it's important that this is a three-month span we're going on. At what point did... Uh, unless this is the first time, at what point did the detectives get involved or what point did other people's suspicions, what what happened? What happened to make it go from she died from COPD before the death certificate is, gets issued, what happens for an investigation to start? All the red flags were started to go off within three, four days. And right. that was the red flags of he never rolled her over, um, she was stiff, his words, she was stiff, so he couldn't roll her over because her arms were stuck up underneath one, underneath the chair and underneath the um, sofa or love seat, whatever you want to call it. Um, M.E.K. There was, he kept talking about M.E.K. That is a paint thinner, an industrial paint thinner. Um, and literally... Day two, he brought up with us in the car about the paint thinner, about M.E.K. He calls it M.E.K. Um, he said that Sunday night, she always kept her nails. It's the only thing she did for herself, really. But she always kept jail nails, you know, on, on and loved them. And um, he said that she had broke one. Um, I believe a thumb and pinky. pinky, I'm sorry, pinky. And she wanted to get them off. Um, Did you say how she broke it? No. Nah. Okay, go ahead. Um, and she wanted to get them off. So he went and got M.E.K. paint thinner. It's not a paint. For her to soak the nails off. Um, again, this was repeatedly discussed multiple times a day for three months. And he's saying he did that the same night she was murdered. Yes. Okay. And he kept referencing that um, the M.E.K., he kept saying that it was put in like a little... A medicine cup. Medicine cup. Small mm -hmm. medicine cup. And uh, it had fell over and splashed all up in her face. Okay. And, and that was a repeat, that that was, uh, and he kept specifically saying that um, 
she had uh, broke her pinky nail, and that's important, um, and then said that she had scratched his back and had left scratch marks all over Just his about back. to ask y'all, because uh, it popped in my head, did y'all see any type of injuries to him or whatever when it, in, the, in the first day or two? He had a small, he had a scratch on his face. Okay. Um, that I recall. I'm sorry, but go ahead. He said he said she scratched his back. Yeah, that that you know. Oh, I, I you know I love the way she scratched my back, and he said her uh, nails were jagged, which she always took care of her nails. That that was something she was. And she and just she went, went to and got a place fixed. and had that done. She didn't do it. Her nails were messed up. That's why. Hey y'all, doesn't it seem like the holiday season starts earlier and earlier every year? Well, this year I'm good with it. We're going to make up for lost time and all the canceled plans of the past year and a half. I don't know about you, but we're going all out with the decorations. The food, I'm going to be frying my turkeys. We're going to, Cindy's going to be lighting up the multiple Christmas trees that we have. We're going to rock it, right? I'm even going to start gift shopping early, and that's where Faraday comes in. They have gifts for everyone on your list. Faraday is a family-run brand making high-quality, timeless clothing with modern design and functionality. You know when you're searching for the coziest gifts that are practical and stylish, flannels that feel like you've had them for years, lush sweaters, festive tops, and dresses that they can still wear long after the champagne has been popped. Well, that's Faraday. And y'all, just this weekend, I got to wear my new Sherpa Timberline trucker jacket with the one I went to a private Christmas party. And I even got to get on the stage and sing with the world-famous Chase Tyler band, right? I love that jacket. Faraday is so confident in the quality of their stuff that they have a lifetime guarantee of quality. They'll replace or fix your clothes forever, no matter what. And to top it all off, Faraday has given all real-life, real-crime listeners 20% off right now. 20% off. If you're looking for a last-minute gift, it's not too late to get your favorite people a Faraday gift card. With that in mind, though, don't forget to treat yourself. Listeners of Real Life, Real Crime get 20% off their first order. So visit FaradayBrand.com slash R-L-R-C and use code R-L-R-C at checkout. That's code R-L-R-C at F-A-H-E-R-T-Y Brand.com slash R-L-R-C for 20% off. Y'all, I love these clothes. I love the, the comfort and the functionality and the stylishness of them. Check them out. And so he said that she had scratched his back that night and had left. He didn't Once. show us, but said had left scratches on his back. And when you were with her for the four hours doing the flowers. Her nails were fine. Her nails were fine. I mean, it's yeah, a natural I mean, assumption you're sitting together, yes. together putting, you wouldn't notice because she yeah. took such good care of her nails. Yeah. The only thing she did for herself, if you'd have seen broken, jagged yeah, I mean, nails. I'd have said something. Okay. Let's, let's, she just said something. Mm-hmm. So, um, the three sisters here, me and Laura and Margaret, um, got together and decided to go talk to the detectives. And tell 
Tell um, me about that. We did that within um, probably less than a week. Oh yeah, less than a week. It was yeah, probably fourth, fifth day. And and who did you go talk to? Who did we talk to? Mm-hmm. Um, initially, it was um, Detective Bouquet, and um, that was Doucette. and Doucette, Detective Doucette. And so they y'all go in and you and you say what? Um, they took us separate. Yeah. Okay. okay. They okay. interviewed each of us separate. Um, but this is at y'all's request. Yes. Yes. Oh yes. I had called um, the I had called Detective uh, Bouquet um, Tuesday. I think it was Wednesday night. So two days after. And um, I um, asked to meet with him, and uh, it was after the weekend before he could meet, and uh, so he has set up for us to meet. Okay, and so you go in, and they pull y'all in and interview you, and what happens? Um, for me, they, I mean, asked me, you know kind of my, I guess what I was there for and you know just um, I had written down a lot of things that weren't wasn't making sense um, the shirt the MEK the ring um, him showing the body position the body position car being um, clean yes um, and uh, nails the, the yeah. affair yeah um, also how he had uh, pulled his 401k out and my sister wasn't even aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had retired, and she wasn't even aware until afterwards. Okay. Um, you know, they told us that day that, um, let me, I think it was that day. I apologize, because we have met with them multiple times. Um, they wanted, let me assure you was the words. That was the last ass- thing he said. Let me assure y'all. Your sister was not beaten. The detective told you this. Yep. As we were walking out. Let me assure you. Now, y'all remember this. Oh. I've talked to the lifers. Y'all remember this. The detective, as we're walking out, the last thing they say is, let me assure you, your sister was not beaten. Yes. All right. So, again... (laughs) The detectives tell you when you're going out the door, let me assure you, she was not beaten. They said she had not, she what, let me assure you, it's not like your, it's not like your sister was beaten. That's what they said. She was not beaten. Okay. And we were like relieved. Right. I mean, we were like, okay, whew, you know, and, that's. And this is a couple of days after, that's when y'all went in first, the first yeah, time. The first week. Yeah. The first time. At, because I know a, a little bit of the background, um, at some point the families approached anonymously and received a picture of Mary. Yes. After her death, and it was of her face. I've seen the picture, and you tell me about it. I'm sorry to it's make okay. you do this. 
Well, there was definitely some discoloration, and there seemed to be bruising on the neck. You know, it's it's hard to look at it, obviously. Yeah, the pit. But it was something that was very apparent. You could, you know, it it, it, it was yeah. And for a lot of people who may hear this and think, well, that's a matter of interpretation or whatever, or that's not what I remember seeing. You have to remember at the time of the funeral, which you, which she was in control with the, uh, her body was in possession with the coroner. So the only way that we was able to have a service, which was at the request of Peanut and family, and, and for her for, at that point, was to have like a, a service, but then the corner, the body had to be taken to, back to the yeah, corner. So, that's correct. And at the time of the funeral, if people remember, my sister's head was tucked and she had a turtleneck. Yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> so you have to understand why. Now when people see that and they think of that, and they, from what you hear today, obviously people, more things come about and people say that made sense. I was wondering why she was positioned that way and why she had a turtleneck and, and stuff. And I said, well, that was to hide. They didn't want, you know, to make her look her best. Let me do this. Okay. I I actually pulled up the pictures. Okay. And the y'all I've been to, I couldn't tell you a thousand autopsies. Um, for someone to say that she was not beaten is, and I'm looking at this picture, it's just outrageous. And I'm telling you, and this is hard, y'all, and I'm sorry that Ms. Uh, Shoots that you have to hear it, et cetera. But I'm going I'm to describe it to you. Um, both, uh, in this picture, her eyes are closed. Both eyelids or at least the one on the it would be her right eyelid is black from just above the midpoint above the eyelash just below the right uh, right corner of the eye is a serious serious contusion uh, appears to be some type of cut uh, um, injury and going down her cheek from diagonally from that to the corner of her mouth is a is a red striation or bruising uh, mark. This is almost like a continuous mark to right above the um, right corner of her lip, but it takes up from the top of her lip down to the uh, the middle of her lips, almost up to the bottom of her right nostril is a serious, uh, it's not a bruise y'all. It's an open wound. It's a, it's a contusion. Uh, I, I don't know how else to describe it. Now looking at the rest of the photo on her nose, if you go up from that contusion at a diagonal area, there's a, there's a red mark come across her face. Go across her mouth on her lips, on the other side of her mouth. Again, bruising uh, from about the midway below her left nostril on the bottom lip to the corner of 
the left side of the mouth, the opposite side of the mouth, is, is a, a discoloration, contusion. And at the very corner of the mouth and just below that, or uh, it's almost like two pinholes, but there's two, two wounds there. Go straight up that side of her face, it would down from the left nostril at a diagonal angle, there's another contusion slash type bruising. Then go up to the opposite eye that I described earlier is a is a gash. I mean, is her eyes eyes closed? It's her left eye from just below her eyebrow at a diagonal, and it has a little jagged dip, and it goes down almost to the corner of her eye. Is a another cut. Now this is not an autopsy cut, y'all. When they do an autopsy, they they um, they do cut the flesh around the back of your neck, etc., and they they'll pull the skin forward. This would not have happened as a result of the autopsy, and I'm telling you that because you don't get the bruising, etc., after an autopsy because the heart has already stopped beating. Bruising doesn't occur, and in then this next picture, and I, I don't even know which part of the body of it is. It's maybe our arm, or uh, I don't, and I don't know which arm. There are two obvious <coughs> cuts, uh, almost like uh, big. It, it, you could call it nail scrapings, but the one is too perfect of a line to to be that. The other one has is almost shaped like a. Uh, a compound, a, like a recurved bow. It looks like a bow that's bent on one end and it comes down, but in the middle of it is a deeper gouge and then it, it gets lighter as it goes down. The, I, I mean, I'm telling you, when I say the contusions, oh, let me go down to the bottom of her chin. The bottom of her chin on the right-hand side below that obvious wound uh, that is, I described above her mouth which is I mean it's I, I don't know how you y'all looked at this because this is hard uh, but on the bottom of her chin again there on the bottom of the right side of her chin at a diagonal going from the corner of the lips to the bottom of the chin is a serious uh uh it's beyond a bruise it, it's almost like little puncture holes with but it's in a, in a, in a line that goes down. Um, I would say, and I'm, I'm sitting here looking at these pictures, the, this, this is, and, and y'all, I'm, I'm just going to be harsh and honest. The, this almost looks like someone whose face was drugged down a road or, or I've seen road burns. I've seen... I've seen beatings. Uh, um, this, your sister, this is undeniable proof. These photographs are undeniable proof, in my professional opinion, that, I mean, certainly she didn't do this to herself after she, after she died from COPD, which we also know now that, she, that wasn't the case. And I don't want to be harsh, but it looks like she's beat to hell. And, and the top of her forehead... Yeah, above the same eye where the, the worst of the contusions are is a large 
maroons, uh, discolored, a greenish yellow colored, approximately an inch above that right eye, but it takes up that whole side of her forehead. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible. But for a detective to tell you, the detective to tell anyone, let me assure you she wasn't beaten, yeah. he obviously, it's one of two things. He obviously had never seen the body. He had never seen the, the pictures at this point. Or he was full of shit. Well, at one of the other, um, at one of the other meetings, um, I'm sorry, but she's the one. One of the sisters had to leave, crying. um, When he said again, he told us that she. uh, They also told us that you know. There was no really markings to show that she had been strangled um, and definitely not beaten. He reminded us again. Well, this was I, before the autopsy, right? So there was really no, from from y'all first discussion. No, this was after. After the This autopsy. was actually after. after. This after was probably three months, four months later. Came. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, let me interrupt real quick. Y'all in the background, you hear two of the sisters left and, and they're very emotionally distraught. It's a horrible thing to hear. Um, so that's what you're hearing in the background. I'm sorry. Please continue. Um, and I asked him, are you sure about that? And because, at, you know, anonymously someone did give me the picture. And he said, um, why? Do you know something we don't know? And I said, no. You should know everything I know. Yeah. I said, but... You need to go back and check. I said, you've looked at, I asked him, I said, have you looked at her pictures? And he said, um, I'm trying to remember. He said, uh, yeah, and I, he didn't see any. I said, you might want to go look again. Yeah, and put your glasses on. And he told me that the coroner's office said that she didn't have any markings. Y'all, because of the emotions and everything, I'm going to end this episode. Um, the... We'll take a let the family take a break, and we'll get back into it and, and, and stay tuned because it's so important. And be a hero, give the gift of life. And if you want to sign up, go to lopa.org, take a minute, sign up, be a hero, give the gift of life. I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Get ready, you're gonna do time. Real crime. Real life, real crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Tomplay in conjunction with iHeartRadio and Cloud 10 Media. 